This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and I'm tuning in to the new TNN. Pop culture addicts, welcome back into the new TNN podcast feed for what is not only another new episode of Ringman, even though we just had one, I'm excited to do it again, but folks, this is episode 199, just one more to go before the big 200th anniversary celebration. So what's going to happen during episode 200? is we're all going to meet up in the streets, and I'm going to have a parade. And I'm going to come down and do this parade on a giant float of a cake with 200 on it. I'm going to play some Prince. Trust, who do ya trust? Something is something of a trust. And I'm going to throw money, 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 hubba, 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 money, 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 who do you trust? Me, I'm right here, I'm right here. And where is the Batman? He's at home! Washing his tights! <laughs> yeah, I really just did all that. But to get to 200, we've got to get through 199. And it's fitting that I pulled out a Batman 89 reference because today we are going to talk a little bit about superheroes and supervillains and superstars. All right, yeah! I like the brand synergy, Johnny C. So today, the topic on Ringman, the show where we cover the wars of sports based entertainment, are what I'm calling. The professional wrestling credits. What the hell does that mean? Well, picture it. You're in a movie theater. Any movie theater you've ever been in. You watch a movie. The movie's over. What happens at the end? The credits. Every once in a while in a film, you'll get like a curtain call style of end credits, which is my absolute favorite. You know, it's like, uh, oh, how to best explain this. I mean, it's very simple. You know, okay, let's, it's Ocean's Eleven. Like, George Clooney shows up on the screen. He, like, looks at the camera, and it's a scene from the movie where he's talking. It's like, George Clooney. And they show Brad Pitt eating. It's like, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, etc., etc. Now, I am definitely inspired by something that's probably pretty obvious. At the end of Avengers Endgame which was the conclusion of the Infinity Saga of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And if you've never seen anything, just understand that there are like 20 movies that built up to this moment. And when the movie was over, not only did they play a jaunty orchestral tune that really summed everything up musically, but they had a big curtain call ending where they showed everyone who had been a part of the MCU and made this whole thing possible. Even if it's just for like one or two seconds. You know, if you're there... 
and you're a part of this thing, you're getting a credit, and you're getting a fucking moment where the audience can clap for you. And, of course, it ends with the big finish where uh, the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six founding Avengers, you know, they get a spotlight and their character portrait and they, their autograph comes up. I mean, you've probably seen it. If you haven't seen it, I'm going to recommend you do this before you listen any further. Go to YouTube and watch the Avengers Endgame end credits so you have an idea <clears throat> Excuse me, of what the hell is going on. Now, using this as a template, all right, I watched the Avengers Endgame credits, ladies and gentlemen, and in the credit sequence, there are 46 individuals that receive a curtain call credit and then some extras that are listed, but they don't actually physically appear. We'll get into all that, etc., etc. So what I've done is we're going to... Well, what I've done already, but what I'm going to explain to you is we're going to go through the list. We're going to go through all the people that appear in the end credits scene, and I'm going to take that actor slash character, and I'm going to replace them with a person from professional wrestling history hoping to have a similar type of status with the character that they represent. But ultimately, much like the MCU was here, they're, weaving, they're showing everyone and weaving together a narrative of how we got to this moment and thank you for getting us there. Professional wrestling has a long storied history. So this is all about thanks for contributing, thanks for getting us to where we are now. Come out and take your bow. Now, one interesting thing here is I've got a couple of rules. Well, not rules, but just guidelines I'm trying to go by, okay? And just, you know, to, to make shit up off the top of my head, uh, if the first person is like Mike Tyson, obviously, not a... Uh, Mike Tyson's a bad example because he's been in wrestling. If the first actor is um, Ice Cube, okay, uh, my, what I wanted to do was replace them with a black male or a person of color that is a male, and the professional wrestling industry has not always been kind to minority groups. But I hopefully have found a way to weave in part of that tale and scope of professional wrestling into this. Also, there are a lot of females in the end credits. And, you know, thank the maker that women's wrestling is like a whole new genre. It's like having two shows in one. It's glorious, and I love it. I've talked about, I've talked about it before. That being said... There are a lot of slots that will someday be taken by women who deserve to be in the professional wrestling end credits. I have tried to do my best. However, I will tell you up front, there have been two gender swaps, and I apologize. It was not done to place value over one gender or the other. It was simply done because I needed to tell a tale of professional wrestling history to the best of my ability. So, if that sounds good or sounds interesting, let's move forward with our first entry. The first person we see in the Avengers Endgame credits is Don Cheadle played War Machine. Now, War Machine was never the most important character in Mar the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but Don Cheadle is a very recognizable name. He's a friendly face, even if you don't know who he is and you're a casual moviegoer, you'll be like, Hey, it's that guy from Ocean's Eleven. Hey, he's not English. I'll leave it out. Oh, aren't you a right couple of Tulsa's? <laughs> what, what does he say when Brad Pitt rescues him? He's like, oh, 
I don't fucking know. I haven't seen Ocean's Eleven in a long time, and I feel like I've been out of it every time that I've watched it. But Don Cheadle's War Machine is an integral part of the MCU films. He's still kicking around today. And so what I've done, obviously, based on the conversation that I just had with you, is I wanted to find uh, an African-American male wrestler who absolutely made an impact in this industry, but, you know, was never really the the main focal point of a large-scale company with, like, a massive run, if that makes sense. Because, because Don Cheadle's War Machine has never been the lead in a Marvel movie or a Marvel series. He's always been an integral component, a great spice, and very good at what he does. But he's never been the main, 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 main character. He's kind of always Robin to Tony Stark's Iron Man, which we'll get to. So, who I've chosen is the Junkyard Dog who had a lot of success in the Bill Watts territories, and, I, I, you know, I, I, which it sounds like such an oxymoronic thing to say, Bill Watts and the Junkyard Dog, but I really feel like the Junkyard Dog sort of broke through a lot of barriers. And, uh, you know, the Junkyard Dog went on to make appearances in the NWA, WCW, WWF, and appearing at high-scale shows like WrestleMania three, Starcades, and what have you, and, and really was a staple of wrestling's boom into pop culture. He was a member of Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. He had action figures. He's on that first WrestleMania as well. I don't know. I just, I feel like it makes sense. And, you know, I feel like a lot of casual people have at least heard the name Junkyard Dog. So when the credits start, it's like, Junkyard Dog, who is next? Oh, also... Longtime listeners of the new TNN will know that I absolutely fucking aped the ending of Avengers Endgame to make the intro to WCW Must Die, where I do the exact same thing, but it's with shitty characters from WCW, and I make them say stupid shit. If you never knew what the fuck that was all about, now you do. Up next, the little guy, the lovable Paul Rudd as Scott Lang Ant-Man 2, or just Scott Lang Ant-Man. Now, Ant-Man is kind of the opposite of Don Cheadle. Sure, when it comes to an Avengers movie, he's just one of the guys. But Ant-Man has his own film trilogy, believe it or not. And they're not necessarily lighting the box office on fire, but it's always a welcome time, as long as it's not the third one, which is complete, utter dog shit. So I'm looking for someone in professional wrestling's history that has contributed you know, like I said, Ant-Man carried three movies. I feel like I need someone that's at least had a decent run in professional wrestling. And, you know, a lot of people knew who Paul Rudd was before Ant-Man. He was the funny guy in that funny movie. But now he's a household name. So I also need someone that's a household name. Ladies and gentlemen, it's strange to think of this man having correlation with Paul Rudd or Ant-Man. Because from a character perspective, I mean, he doesn't. It's not even close. But from a brand perspective, I think we're on point. The Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh-huh. So, you gotta get the Macho Man in here somewhere. He's a great, great, great performer. One of the best of all time. He's got the Slim Jim promotion. He's a huge part of professional wrestling history. If we had more spots at the end for the original Avengers lineup, he'd absolutely be there. 
okay? Or he would maybe be in the middle when we had the special credits, which I'll talk about in just a second uh, after we do Macho Man. Um, but Macho Man had runs. He's a multiple-time champion in the WWF with his with his longest reign running from WrestleMania 4 to WrestleMania 5, where he's an integral part of the Federation. Uh, much like Ant-Man is in Avengers Endgame, he's the one that gives us the time travel capabilities. You know, he's the one that tells us it can be done. Uh, and, you know, the Macho Man is just, like I said, a household name along with Ant-Man now, who, believe it, you know, I, I can't believe that's a real thing, but it absolutely is. And again... It's not so much about matching personalities, but uh, come on, could we do this without the Macho Man? I mean, this is a this is a backbreaking fucking scenario to to do this and try to put this together because there are so many limited spaces, and you're really trying to weave together a narrative of who has made a difference, not in a Fatu way, but in ways to our fandom, our box office, our merchandising, uh, our brand. I mean, it's kind of the truth here. Uh, now, I said I was going to say something about special credits, okay? Because there are so many people in the MCU, and a lot of them are, like, really famous, like, infamous, so famous they're infamous. No, but they're just really famous people that are usually top build in their own films, okay? So in Hollywood, we have these, like, special credits, like, uh, okay, Ocean's Eleven, use it as an example again. Uh, I think it's with... Matt, oh, it's with Andy Garcia and Julia Roberts. Because Julia Roberts is listed last because her character is the least... Maybe she has the least amount of screen time. But Julia Roberts is a fucking top name in Hollywood. At least at the time Ocean's Eleven was made. No disrespect to her now. So instead of being on top, she gets the and credit, which makes you stand out even more. Uh, so there are a lot of... The, well, not a lot, but there are definitely some important ones on this list that we'll get to towards the end. But I wanted to probably... Probably should have mentioned that earlier, but whatever. Still with the males here, uh, up next is Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange. Now, Doctor Strange, household name, uh, you know, a big part of Spider-Man No Way Home... I feel like he works best as a side character. I'm not a pretty I'm not really a big fan of his two movies, but all that being said, he has had two movies that have been, you know, the first one's pretty good financially successful, the third one was a pretty big hit. Okay? And like I said, Doctor Strange, household name now, but he's only got two movies, he doesn't so much have three. But the point is is we need a household name that's probably at least been the champion before. And if they've been on top in a couple different organizations, that would be nice, too, to sort of line up with the two movies. Plus, they need to have contributed to wrestling history, most importantly. And I really think this person has. They contributed to what I believe was the biggest WCW buy rate of all time. If that was topped, it probably was. But it definitely, he was a part of the culmination Maybe the the best storyline culmination on paper of all time. The execution leaped quite a bit to be desired, much like a Doctor Strange film. And he's still going today, and he was probably the best thing in TNA for some time, even though I never watched it. It's the man costing, man costing, man costing. And he's had so many different eras as well. 
And I don't want to spoil Marvel stuff, but Doctor Strange is going through a pretty big status quo change if he ever shows up in another movie based on what happened to him. So he's going to be in like his crow sting emo phase when he's been surfer sting the entire time in the other movies. Don't believe me? Just watch it and have that in your head. But Sting, still going strong in AEW. I can't fucking believe that. I've never... I did see a video on YouTube of Sting, like, jumping onto a table and almost killing himself. The poor bastard. Why do you do it, Sting? Is it the money? Do you need it that bad? I'll Venmo you ten bucks, Sting. Fucking stop it! Stop it! But... Massively integral part of professional wrestling history. He was the man destined to destroy the NWO... And then, of course, he joined it and painted his face red and looked like a fucking walking chicken pock or goddamn... He looked like a fever. Like, I know a fever isn't a person, but Wolfpack Sting looked like a living fever. Ugh, gross. But hey, you cannot, you cannot deny that Sting is a massive part of wrestling history, and he's got such a unique look, and I think a lot of people know his name. Uh, he deserves to be here in an end credit sequence of professional wrestling history. Don't you think? Moving on! The next actor on the list is, uh, well, Gone Too Soon star Chadwick Boseman, who, uh, thank God, has inspired an entire generation of filmgoers who finally got a superhero that looked like them. And I say that wholeheartedly, and I, and I mean it, and it, it's really a heartbreaker uh, the story of Chadwick Boseman's um, passing, uh, but hopefully carries with it a legacy that lives forever. Now, I wanted to try to capture that the best I could when it comes to professional wrestling's history. And even though I think the man had a good career, and I feel like the legacy gets somewhat over... Well... I don't know that it gets overlooked. I don't know if it's celebrated appropriately or not. It's really not my place to say. But I am going to place here Ron Simmons, the first black world heavyweight champion. All I can tell you is my personal experience, okay? Um, when I tuned in to WCW programming the weekend after he defeated Vader with a power slam, he got with a power slam in Baltimore! A power slam in Baltimore! I mean, I still remember, you know... And uh, I, I, re I recall that Ron Simmons had defeated Big Van Vader to become the champion. And I, as a young fan, was like, yeah, Ron Simmons. Like, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Of course, I'm always a big fan of first title wins. You, you know, except for maybe like the great Kali, who I get, you know, the champion that inspired an entire nation. And I appreciate that, too. But I can tell you that I was excited for Ron Simmons to be the new WCW champion, even though WCW was definitely number two in my books. Um, and I was trying to think, you know, he's in, there's not a whole living legacy of black heavyweight champions that's. I mean, I don't want to sit here and try to name... It's silly. That's Well, it's not silly to name, but that's an exercise I'm not prepared to leap into. But you think of guys like Big E, who I think was the most recent? Or maybe if Lashley held it after Big E. I don't want to speak out of turn. The modern product title histories. Woof! All over the place with me. But I think that Ron Simmons encapsulates, you know, hopefully... A little bit of what Chadwick Boseman brought to our popular culture... Uh, you know, I don't really, you know, this, I don't want to speak out of turn, 
and I'm not trying to, so I'm just going to move on. But I hope we can all agree why Ron Simmons is the pick. Now, controversy here, only because I don't want to draw unfa- uh, you know, unfavorable comparisons, but hear me out. Next is Brie Larson, who plays Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Captain Marvel. A word on Captain Marvel. And I hate giving this word. Give me the preface. I don't really like Captain Marvel the movie at all. I think it's just... I don't think it's a very well-made film, period, personally. Okay? And, and, I hate to say this because there's an entire culture of people out there, usually with dicks, usually, probably overweight. No, that's a stereotype. But there's a whole legion of men out there that hate Captain Marvel because she's the most powerful hero and she has breasts and a vagina. Now, I would argue even though it's completely, completely irrelevant, as a heterosexual male, I can tell you that Brie Larson has a very attractive... It's never well. You get where I'm going here. So it's like, I mean, at least she's hot. I mean, no, that's not the appropriate viewpoint. But if your viewpoint is you don't like the character because she has a vagina, okay, and you're a heterosexual male, is it still... I mean, can you truly deny, though, that it's at least an attractive one? I mean, doesn't that win you some points if that's your state of mind? My problem with the Captain Marvel character is that the film is just uninteresting. The character hasn't really had a moment to shine. On the opposite end of that spectrum... The character from professional wrestling history that's taking the place of Captain Marvel has had, arguably, according to some, too many moments to shine and is overpowered. And that's Charlotte Flair. I don't necessarily think that way about Charlotte Flair. I think adding Charlotte Flair to anything makes it an attraction, as Bruce Pritchard might say, right from the get-go. I like Charlotte Flair's work in the ring and on the mic. I think Charlotte Flair is interesting. I think Charlotte Flair is, you know, one of the largest components, not the largest, but one of the largest components of what has made women's wrestling what it is today. You know, she carries a legacy with her, which automatically makes her interesting. But we've seen that fail many times. I'm looking at you, Eric Watts. Uh, David, David Flair got her own brother. A complete failure. Charlotte Flair has the intangibles. God, now I sound even more like Bruce Pritchard. But she is, to a lot of fans, in a toxic way, overpowered like Captain Marvel. And I'm doing the finger quotes. So I I actually love the brand synergy here. And you know what I love the most? Is that I think a Charlotte Flair would embrace it. And, and you know, the more you hate on her, the better she's going to get at doing her job. So go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. Next... Everyone's favorite wall crawler, Tom Holland, as your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. This is an interesting one. Spider-Man is... I read read something somewhere one time that Spider-Man and Batman are like the most universally... uh, And it's funny because they overtake Superman, which is strange to me because you think of Superman as the genesis of everything. But I think Spider-Man and Batman are like your number one and two superhero brands, and it probably just depends on which way the wind is blowing, who's had a movie most recently, etc., etc. And that's totally okay. Many successful film franchises centered around Spider-Man. He's got a low ranking here in this curtain call. 
you know, because it's Tom Holland. And hey, I think Tom Holland does a great job, but he's not like, you know, especially at the time that Avengers Endgame was made, he's not carrying around cachet like he's uh, Robert Downey Jr., for example. But he's had a lot of success, and he's someone that people. Well, his, his character is someone that people respect and look up to and always look at as a cornerstone of Marvel. And I need a, someone who's a cornerstone, but also, given this spot in the curtain call, perhaps not a major influencer overall to the history of professional wrestling, but rather a fan favorite. And I couldn't think of anyone better than the Heartbreak Kid Jack. Shawn Michaels. Now, Shawn Michaels never set the box office on fire like a Spider-Man. But when people talk about who their favorite wrestler is, you know, who's the best wrestler of all time? You know, favorite's probably not the best way to put it, but who's the best wrestler of all time? Shawn Michaels is usually in that discussion. Who's the best comic character of all time? Well, Spider-Man's usually in that discussion. So I like the brand synergy. And, uh, you know, thinking of... And, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm going to go ahead and do it because I feel like I haven't. You know, those, the end of this curtain call where we see the original six Avengers and they get their autographs and they get their own portrait and everything like that. That's sort of, to me anyway, like the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling as an industry. Okay? And I just, you know, Shawn Michaels, if you're talking about like work, which is a subset of professional wrestling, he might have a spot there. But this is the history of the professional wrestling game and business and everything that comes with it. And while the Heartbreak Kid story is a great part of it, it's not as integral as the original Avengers, if you appreciate the comparison slash expression. So I think having Shawn Michaels here is okay. It gets him his own spotlight for a few seconds and lets us know that he contributed. But end of the day, he just didn't contribute things on a level that others did outside the ring and, you know, moving metrics and stuff like that. He's offered so much to the business like Spider-Man has as a hero. You plug Spider-Man into any comic as like a guest star and he's probably going to get more that book's going to get more sales. You know, I'm picking on She-Hulk because, you know, people with dicks hate She-Hulk too for some reason. I mean, it wasn't the best show, but it was certainly hilarious. Um, you know, Spider-Man's guest stars in She-Hulk are probably going to get some extra sales. Shawn Michaels continues to give to the legacy of the wrestling business by, you know, doing NXT and stuff like that, appearing in that Marine movie with The Miz. So I like it. Next, number seven is Karen Gillan as Nebula, a character that has really grown to be a pretty fun cornerstone of the MCU in terms of always having something interesting to do. Now, Nebula's not like a great character uh, in terms of branding, so some might scoff at this characterization of the wrestler who's added. But I'm using Ronda Rousey here, because whether you like it or not, Ronda Rousey gave a little spike to women's professional wrestling. It's crazy that in the long run, she's become less viable. I know Brock isn't as viable as he once was, but he's still pretty viable. Uh, Ronda has appeared to have some sort of different effect, and it's because probably she's been around. She shows up at pay-per-views like Unforgiven 
instead of just SummerSlam and WrestleMania. I don't know if Unforgiven still pay-per-view, but I think you get the fucking comparison point. But Ronda Rousey also gives me that nebula energy of, like, complete anger and not giving a fuck. And I know that's not a huge part of this curtain call thing, but I do think that Ronda Rousey, you know, and, and again, I've mentioned, and this is not a bad thing, but there are many female roles to fill here. Maybe more than have... Because it's always it's often been a male-dominated sport. I'm not saying it's these women's fault. So you know, women like Stacy Keebler and Tori Wilson, who are not on this list, you know, they contributed a lot. They, they really did, but they they were never given the opportunity to contribute in ways that leave an indelible etching into the annals of time. Yeah, I think that's something they set out a WrestleMania video. It's just not in the ways that a person like Ronda Rousey did. You know, when all is said and done and the book is written on Ronda Rousey, I don't know how thick that book will be. But I do think it's undeniable. I'll use this as an example. Is it WrestleMania 34 where her and Kurt team up against uh, the McMahon-Helmsley era? Or the uh, what were they, the authority? You know, my spouse uh, stopped in her tracks and was like, oh, Ronda Rousey's wrestling? She had heard the name. And uh, she watched that entire match, and I think it's her favorite match of all time, which isn't saying much, only because she doesn't like wrestling. But as a casual, and that's the comparison point of view, as a casual, as a casual, she was brought in and enthralled by the performance. And I think that a lot of casual women, or ladies, or even men, it doesn't matter, but you know, trying to get that female demographic was important to WWE's continuing success, and thank God they did, because it contributes quite a bit, and I think it's a beautiful thing. But I think Ronda's a big part of that. Number eight is Zoe Saldana as Gamora the Great, Nebula's sister, and Sasha Banks is taking that role. And I think she's a massive contributor as well, but in ways that are different from Ronda, in that Sasha was there for a lot of firsts, the first quote-unquote women's championship match, part of the women's revolution in NXT. Like Charlotte, she's one of the four horsewomen. And Sasha, God love her, and this is what I love about her with Zoe Saldana, People might not often think that Zoe Saldana is one of the highest box office earners in the history of Hollywood. But it's true. The Avengers franchise, she's in two of them. The Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, she's in three of them. Avatar, she's in both of them. Uh, Star Trek, the reboots, she's in all three of them. I mean, I'm just saying here, Zoe Saldana is a powerhouse. And what I love about the Sasha Banks comparison here is that Sasha Banks made her, you know, impressions as Sasha Banks. But as Mercedes Verando, and I, I apologize if I'm pronouncing Mercedes' last name incorrectly, she made an impact in Star Wars Galaxy as Casca uh, Reeves in The Mandalorian. Which, sure, she's not like a, the mainest of characters, but whenever she shows up, I'm loving it, and she always does something cool. She's got her own Star Wars action figure. Talk about a fucking dream come true. But as Mercedes Monet, she's reinvented herself and proven to be a box office attraction. Sasha Banks is a tale of a woman's struggle for independence, gaining it, and then obtaining power as a draw, independently. She's sort of like, uh, she's a barrier breaker for women in wrestling. And I think Zoe Saldana is a barrier breaker for women at the box office. And I think it's it's pretty damn fitting. You know, I'm trying to think, like, you think of someone like AJ Styles, who was in TNA forever, and then he went out and made himself more valuable in the independents, same as Cody Rhodes, etc., etc. I, I don't want to speak out of turn, but is Mercedes Monet the first 
female to do that, break away from the mains, and go become almost more of an asset on the independence to where if she ever comes back, you know, she's going to be a, a big draw or, a, you know, a big-time contract, you know, however, however you want to slice it. I love the Sasha Banks Zoe Saldana comparison here. I hope you do, too. And, of course, that's why I cast her in the role of Skamora the Great. I guess you could say Johnny C might be great. I'm tooting my own horn there too much. The next great MCU actor on the list is Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp, Hope Van Dyne. Now look, the Wasp is a great character in her own right, okay? She does appear co-billed with Ant-Man in the final two Ant-Man films, so I'm not trying to take away from Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp. And it might seem like I'm doing that, but I'm not. Because I think that Miss Elizabeth, as the First Lady of the WWF, is one half of the greatest storyline in professional wrestling history. That being the love between Macho Man Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. And so, Ant-Man was the Macho Man. The Wasp is Miss Elizabeth. Pure and simple. Next... Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. Oh, she's a drunk. No, I like Valkyrie. I like Tessa Thompson's performance too, but, you know, this is more about the professional wrestling. How do I view Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie in regards to professional wrestling history? Well, to me, she shares a lot in common with another female, a superstar of WWF's past. You know, when Valkyrie is working for... um, Oh, God, what the fuck is Jeff Goldblum's dude called? He's not the collector. He's the, uh... Oh, now I'm just going to sit here and be pissed off until I can remember his name. Why? Why is it escaping me? I'm going to have to Google it because I'm that angry. Um, Jeff Goldblum is awesome. No. Well, I mean, he is, but uh, what the fuck, man? Why can't I remember his name? The Grandmaster! Yeah, Grandmaster Sexy! Um, you know, when she betrays the Grandmaster, it's as if she's walking up to him and saying in her awesome Tessa Thompson voice, So fuck your rules, man. So her professional wrestling equivalent is, So fuck your rules, man! It's Lita! Look at Lita with S.A. Rios! Uh, Lita breaks down boundaries. You know, Valkyrie sort of does the same in the MCU. She's a queen amongst queens. You know, she, uh, you know, people hate her because she likes to kiss women. So, um, that's stupid. Just as an FYI, I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and that angers you, just turn it off and don't ever listen again. But I, I, you know... Tessa Thompson is a warrior. You know, Valkyrie, excuse me, Valkyrie is a warrior. Valkyrie is a fighter. Valkyrie doesn't take kindly to being pushed behind the scenes. You know, uh, Lita makes returns. She comes back. She's not comfortable with just being a legend. She wants to be an active participant in the wars with sports-based entertainment. And, and, um, you know, they they say that she's a part of the first ever uh, Raw Women's Main Event, which is false. Which is false. Um, I covered a Raw that had Alundra Blaze and, I think, Bertha Faye from 1995 after In Your House Great White North is the main event, so I don't even want to hear that. It may not have been Bertha Faye, but it was certainly Alundra Blaze versus somebody. Up next, Rene Russo as Frigga. 
Queen of Asgard. Now, Rene Russo is really good in the Thor films, okay? And she does appear in Avengers Endgame, so she gets her little curtain call here. And I, I wanted someone that's important to wrestling's history, but ultimately wasn't. And let me phrase this. Important, but ultimately didn't end up becoming as important as they could have been. Only because Rene Russo's role is important, but really only important for Thor's character development. I guess you could say they fridged her. Well, Sable kind of got fridged there back in the day. Um, some say it was at the fault of her own ego. I, I don't know. I wasn't there, and I'm not going to uh, pontificate without further evidence. But no one can doubt that Sable was super-duper popular, you know, almost enough to build an entire brand around her, as rumors, pray tell, once told. She's going to be the brand of SmackDown, or whatever the show would have been called. Maybe it was Sable Down. Yeah, get down, get funky. You know, UPN, thank you for, for coming here today to this meeting of World Wrestling Federation officials. Uh, we're going to release a new program on the UPN station called Sable Bomb. Well, Vince, this is uh, UPN uh, Chairman Carson Palmer. Um... What is a sable bomb? Well, Carson Palmer, I would say to you, what isn't a sable bomb? We make movies. But Sable's a big part of women's wrestling history. You know, she crossed over um, from quote-unquote arm candy to a legitimate fucking superstar. Sable deserves a spot. She was a part of the wheel that changed the game. Speaking of changing the game, next up is Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch, one of my favorite MCU characters. And we're going to honor my favorite with perhaps one of the most amazing performers in all of sports entertainment, regardless of any caveat. Sherry Martell, a.k.a. Scary Sherry, Sensational Sherry, Sensational Queen Sherry, The Million Dollar Sherry, Harlem Sherry, uh, The Heartbreak Sherry. I think he's cute. He's so sexy. She's the original. Oh, oh, Sean. But more importantly, man, Sherry is just a perfect performer. Have you ever seen Sherry do anything where she wasn't just awesome? Even if it's little shit. Like taking time in the middle of a match to yell at the cameraman like, GET UP! Or the time she confronted Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan at Survivor Series 89 and she was like, Hogan, what are you gonna do when it's no holds barred? Tosses the powder into steel cage! And then Macho King and Zeus ran in an attack. Sensational Sherry fucking rules. Um... And she's kind of unhinged like the Scarlet Witch, too. So I really enjoyed the brand synergy there quite a bit. Um, you know, she, she, she got physical with performers, okay? Um, she was always, always, always bringing something to the presentation to elevate. The best example I can give, and unfortunately the pairing didn't work out too well, but the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, a pretty fucking established character in the canon of the World Wrestling Federation, they paired Sherry with Ted to elevate Ted. Okay? Ted was in a dry spot. Sherry was the means of elevation. 
it ain't vice versa, folks. They didn't pair Ted with Sherry because Sherry needed elevated. Ted needed elevated in a new coat of paint. All right? Now, it's unfortunate that she wasn't around for sort of the women's evolution, revolution, or what have you. Um, that being said, I think it's clear to anyone who is a student of the game, like Triple H, that Sherry Martell is an absolute fucking cornerstone of women in sports entertainment. Uh, and she deserves this spot, if not a more prominent spot. But I, I just could not uh, not pair her, if you pardon the expression, with the Scarlet Witch. It just made complete fucking sense. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen also fucking rules. She's a great actress. So, again, you know... Not to beat a dead horse, there's too much Brad's energy here, Carson Palmer. Yes, Carson Palmer, I'm still here at the UPN offices. Ah, where's your office, Carson? I think I'm just going to take it. Of course, Carson Palmer being a reference to the fact that I can't remember the UPN guy's name was Palmer Cannon. This podcast is quickly going off the rails, but I'll allow it. Okay, up next are some folks we're going to do at the same time. That's what she said. Anthony Mackie as the Falcon. And Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier. Now, why are we doing them together? Again, she wondered. Well, because Falcon and Winter Soldier have sort of been paired together on screen as, uh, you know, it's like the, the, the two cops that don't get along and then they become best friends and solve the crime. You know, they're like a buddy cop movie. Um, but the reason I'm placing them together aside from their buddy copness is the fact that I am going to replace these gentlemen with superstars of wrestling's history and past and perhaps future. I think it's probably pretty clear that at this point in time, the Usos are the best tag team ever. Um, one of the reasons I find them as the best tag team ever, aside from their accomplishments, their storylines, etc., etc., and I guess this plays off storylines, is that Jay Uso is legitimately a superstar that I that could main event in a tag team and have it feel completely organic and appropriate because they're a tag team. And he can also main event as a singles and have it feel right. Now you might say, well, Shawn Michaels is the same thing. And I say, hear me out. The Rockers in a main event, even though Shawn Michaels became a big-ass star, doesn't quite feel right. Jey Uso does. And when you take into consideration the fact that Anthony Mackie was the Falcon and became Captain America, which is a main event player. I like the brand synergy. And Jimmy Uso hasn't fared as well as Jay. Uh, well, you know, you got his Demons King. Uh, well, the Winter Soldier has his Demons King. So Jay Uso takes the place of Anthony Mackie and then Jimmy Uso as Sebastian Stan. Next, Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Oh, he's a trickster, folks. How many face heel turns has Loki had? And how many times have we loved him along the way? And then he goes and gets his own TV show, carrying a main event spot, if you will. Folks, there is no one I would rather see lie and cheat themselves out of a Marvel-based situation as much as I would love to see... Eddie Guerrero lie and cheat and steal his way into the hearts of fans everywhere. 
Take into consideration the fact that Eddie Guerrero is a legendary worker, but also a big part of SmackDown's continued re relevancy uh, during the dark times when it was jumping. Uh, God, was it on my network TV when he was the champ, or was it CW? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But Eddie Guerrero kept an entire segment of our population engaged in the product. Uh, and, and, and you know, I, I believe this. You know that there's still love there. Um, Eddie is also a well-revered performer, an AAGG, all-around good guy. You know, of course he battled the demons. Everyone's battled demons. I don't care if your demons are pill addiction, King, or if your demons are you you eat too much, or King, perhaps your demons is, is pornography on the internet, King. Okay. I'm always here talking about demons. Hawk's got his demons. Eddie's got his demons. Benoit's got his demons. King, you got demons! Okay? It's a good thing you're not a commentator right now when uh, everybody's got them iPads. Okay, King? Because them iPads get you to pornography. And I need you to stop. I'm trying to call this match. Uh, just knock Bradshaw with a lariat. King! Turn off the pornography. Uh, just knock Bradshaw and Savio Vega over the top rope now. King! Oh, hell damn, girl. That got some titties. Now, King, leave on the pornography. Uh, we really went off the rails there. But let's talk about Eddie Guerrero because he deserves it, man. A huge part of history. Uh, someone that, you know, obviously gone too soon. Um, we don't know what would have happened. Uh, we don't know if, you know, we just don't know. So the fact is, Eddie Guerrero's career is finite and complete. He deserves this spot, man. Is there a more feel-good moment than him beating Brock Lesnar at No Way Out and then dancing? I mean, seriously, jumping into the crowd, that's an amazing moment. When you take into fact consideration that he helped revolutionize the WCW in-ring product and made that relevant, and even his humble beginnings in ECW in places I don't even know what the names are, Triple A, Triple A, you know, and I'm not trying to speak out of turn. You know, when it comes to wrestling, I'm more mainstream North American, all right? But I'm no fool. I know Eddie Guerrero is a hell of a worker regardless. And so... He gets the spot. Next one, I'm not uh, like it's Danny Guerrero, Don Danny Guerrero, Danny Guerrero. As I'm sorry, I'm bad at names. As a Koye, the leader of the Dora Milaje uh, from the nation of Wakanda. Now she is a female, clearly, and this is sort of where I ran into a predicament because I want this to be organic, and I'm not just going to throw in like. I don't know Alicia Fox because she's a, 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 a you know a black female, okay. And I said that I was gonna not you know swap things around and what have you. And I think it's important not to. Do not get me wrong. Like I'm not saying that as a complaint. Like oh I'm gonna stick to the no, no. But what I wanted to do was keep it in the scope of the project. Now I think our selection here of Booker T keeps in the spirit of what we're trying to accomplish, but also Booker T is a rightful heir to professional wrestling's history. He deserves a spot here. The final WCW champion. The quote-unquote only reason to watch WCW in its dying days. That's up for debate, but it's certainly a a believed concept in a lot of circles. And I got it. I guess I think I think it's true. I think there's a lot a lot there. You know, given everything else that was going on. Uh, made his way into the WWF, dealt with the bullshit, and then became a star in his own right. The King Booker, 
gimmick alone is legendary. And then he had a, a, a life after in TNA where I'll tell you what, folks. Booker T's main event mafia commentary as that random character I don't know the name of with Kevin Nash is amazing. It's one of the only reasons to ever watch anything that happened on TNA programming. But somebody was passing that around on uh, Twitter. Logged, oh, excuse me. Somebody was passing around the uh, Booker T in-character commentary from TNA on X the other day. And they X'd me about it. Or, excuse me, I X'd them and I was like, this is legendary. What show is it from? And they X'd me back and were like, it's from this show. And so I went to YouTube and watched it. And I put in the comments, I came here from X. Fucking Twitter. Anywho, I just think Booker T is a consummate performer. He's one of my shucky ducky quack quacks of the week on this list and continues to commentate NXT now. Um, you know, and a story of how, you know, someone can find themselves in situations that are not desirable and then find ways to make them desirable. Uh, I'm not saying that's a cut and dry, easy thing, easier said than done. You know, it's really easy to say that Johnny, when you've never been in that situation. And I agree. Uh, and I'm not trying to sound like a WWF PR guy or WWE PR guy being like, oh, yeah, he was in jail and he got out. We made him a star. No. There's a lot of personal drive there, okay? Um, you know, and then his, his fucking reign is one half of Harlem Heat, for Christ's sakes. You know, a bajillion time tag champion, stalwart of the tag division in WCW, even survived the goddamn pairing with Colonel Rob Parker from the early days when he was like, Harlem Heat, um... You understand what the situation is here with Colonel Rob Parker. You're not getting paid to do any of these wrestling moves uh, that I'm having you do. And, and, you know, survived the Triple H WrestleMania 19 scenario. Beat up Batista. You know, allegedly. I wasn't there. I don't know. But I think he's worthy of inclusion. And so, T gets a spot in the end credits of professional wrestling history. Oh, this is a fun one coming up. All right, so next... Number 17, not that it really matters numerically, but the next person in the credits is Benedict Wong, who, of course, plays Benedict. No, he plays Wong, but that's okay. Now, Wong is a utility guy. Sometimes he's a lot of fun to have around, and other times you're like, why am I not spending time with a different character like Doctor Strange? And that's okay. But I think that there is a very popular wrestler that kind of feels like that as well. One who has historical title reigns, short historical title reigns, and ultimately, you know, achieved bursts of greatness. And we're always appreciative of them and their sacrifices. But sometimes I just want to move on and maybe look at somebody else. And that sounds mean. I don't mean it that way. But I don't think they're built to sustain an entire organization. That is... Mick Foley. All iterations of Mrs. Foley's baby boy. You know, I really didn't mean for that intro for Mick to sound harsh. Uh, I kind of feel like it, it sounded that way. So, let me, again, let me just clarify real quick. Um, Mick's great. I really think so. But he's definitely a guy whose legacy is not, you know, the, the more traditional aspects. But that's, that, you know, that's important too. I mean, I'm not saying you just have to fit and be a uh, round peg in a round hole. Uh, you know, to get on something like this fictional end credit scene, okay? I'm just saying that, you know, the Wong comparison, and again, it, it's not matching apples to apples, but I, I think 
Mick, I'm not saying Mick's a sidekick. I'm not saying Wong's a sidekick. Well, Wong kind of is a sidekick. Uh, but what I am saying is that Mick's reign and contributions are less about the financial and more about the art, which is nice too. However, you know, those are weighted values when it comes to something like this. Uh, that's just the way the world works because it is a business at the end of the day. Next on the list is Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis, one of the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, Palm, or Mantis, is a unique character that's really, really grown on me over the years. Also, female. And it really, really made me think of a performer who it might be too early for something like this on. However, this performer is also extremely unique, especially within their division. Um, They have crafted themselves a great character that I'm often excited to see and have found themselves as a franchise player. Um, You know, they're very merchandisable. They're very popular. uh, They have a good following. And they do really great work. And that's Rhea Ripley. Uh, Mommy. I mean, she's great. She's one of the best things about, you know, this era of wrestling. Uh, That offers good things, but I just, you know, it was stronger for me back in the day, and that's fine. I think that makes a lot of sense um, for me as a person. Uh, But, you know, along with guys like the Usos, who we talked about earlier, you know, they just, they do good stuff, man. Um, And and it works for me, and Rhea really works for me. And and I really think there's big, even bigger things in the future. I think there's breakout potential, um, and it definitely creates, I, 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 my, my goalpost and it's just a personal goalpost. I don't know. But to break down a barrier, I would love her to see her uh, claim one of the championships that uh, is not confined to her gender. And, you know, it takes the right sort of opponent and the right sort of circumstances to book something like that. And, of course, obviously, if she goes for it, the idea would be to have her to win which would mean that more intergender matches would have to take place when there's defenses, or perhaps she could, def- you know, I'm just saying it's it's about not being limited to, and this is more from an artistic perspective, okay? Like, I'm, I'm not sitting here and advocating, like, you know, Ronda Rousey versus Conor McGregor. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not anything like that. This is like a sticky thing. Like, I'm not trying to dig into something like this now. I'm literally just a fucking guy on a couch. But, you know, I think in sports entertainment, there is, there's more performance aspect to it. And I feel like it can be controlled. And there's also cooperation. And, you know, and hey, fucking Rhea could mow down people the same way she could get mowed. That's a literally like she can take bumps and she can dish out bumps to anyone it doesn't really matter who the person is i just hope there's you know what i'm gonna put a bow on this mantis rare ripley thing i hope when someday when this uh book is really written it has a lot of unique different chapters that are entertaining to read but that's where i'm leaving it next is mantis's brother in arms in the guardians of the galaxy Dave Batista. Now, I was very tempted to just leave Dave here because I enjoy Dave quite a bit. You know, he's an actor. He he had the great role with the you know the great like uh, retirement speech when he quits. He had the the blue tees to come back. Dave's just fun to have around. He really is. Um, 
But I also really needed to get this person into the end credit scene, and I thought if you're going to replace Dave with someone, it should probably be someone who's, you know, sort of also a physical presence. And it's Andre the Giant. Look, Andre the Giant's not here. This, this whole concept is kind of stupid, all right? Because you're like, the list doesn't have Andre the Giant. Now, the debate is, do you give him one of the initial Avenger spots? Because he was literally like a larger-than-life attraction uh, of box office proportions, hypothetically. And, you know, the boss and the most respected and etc., etc. And all that stuff's cool. But I don't know that that translates to money right now. Other people that will take that Mount Rushmore Avengers initial team slots at the end of this, you know, fucking curtain call... They've established that there are attractions in an era where dollar amounts uh, can be transacted not just in a local vicinity. You know, we're not just selling out arenas. We're increasing pay-per-view buys, merchandise, and things like that. And I, you know, the Spectre, I feel like they're comparable, but they're also not comparable. And then one could argue, well, selling out arenas is harder to do because there's not much word to get out. You know, there's not much ways to advertise. And I would say, well, you'll need to advertise in your local area, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We go back and forth. The one thing we would agree on is that Andre deserves to be in something like this. And God damn it, he's right here. And I'm happy to say it. From, you know, characters of the past to characters of the right now again. Because next, Letitia Wright is Princess Shuri of Wakanda, a.k.a. Black Panther 2. Um, not to be confused with Black Panther, Wakanda forever. Um... You know, taking up the mantle of the Black Panther from her brother, um, obviously. Also, sort of representing taking the mantle of someone I don't want to talk about yet, but when it comes to modern WWE um, faces of the company from a women's perspective, Bianca Belair is definitely positioned as the person to do that. And we're sort of coming to maybe the end of the initial start of that, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know if she's turning heel. I'm recording this before SummerSlam. If anything big like that has happened, you know, don't, I don't know. But at the same time, you know, I feel like having her take the mantle of the Black Panther makes a lot of sense uh, in the movie film franchise. And putting Bianca Belair in this spot is, you know, smart too. I think she's done a pretty good job. I found a lot of her stuff entertaining. And she's breaking down barriers left and right, uh, you know, performing with her husband, uh, doing the reality show stuff. I mean, I just, it, and you know, I'm not advocating for more reality shows, but I definitely think she's a face of a company. We might be coming to the end of the her era as that for the women's division on SmackDown, I believe. SmackDown! I don't know who says it like that. can't remember. But I think it makes sense to have Bianca Belair here. Uh, I'm not going to go and do it further because, again, her chapter is not written. The rest is still unwritten, if you will. But uh, y- y- we all understand why Bianca should be here. She's good at her job. You know, she's entertaining and she's, uh, she's a one-of-a-kind talent. Speaking of uh, one-of-a-kind talents... John Slattery here is Howard Stark, Tony Stark's dad. You know, he shows up at Endgame, don't forget, so he makes the curtain call here. Uh, this is kind of a weird one. So this is where I think you highlight talent that, you know, sort of exists outside of the ring. Okay? And, you know, we're doing something like that. And you know I grew up in the era that I did. You know, we're absolutely starting with, like, Gorilla Monsoon, like, being like, Oh, it's a happening! As they call his name. It's like, Gorilla Monsoon. And you see him, it's a happening, before they move on to the next person. 
I mean, come on. How much do I have to go in on this? You, you know, you need to highlight the talent outside of the ring. People that contribute to, you know, there's so many ways you can contribute. Gorilla, the voice of a generation of grappling superstars. Tilda Swinton is next in the curtain call. And Tilda Swinton played the Ancient One in Doctor Strange and Avengers Endgame. Now, what I like about the Ancient One is it's a unique character, okay? It's not the most important, not the least important of characters. Um, But I think the person we've selected is sort of one of the most important, but ended up, unfortunately, being one of the least important in a lot of ways. And stupid that has to do with stupid shit. But it is what it is, and that's China. Don't treat me like a ha ah, ah. Don't treat me like a ha ah, ah. Don't treat me like you know me. Treat me both just to ah, Don't treat me like a woman. I said, don't treat me like a man. I'm a big China mark. I've talked about this, you know, on the Multiverse of Fabulousness, which you can hear once a month on the North South Connection Podcast Network, which is on a Sunday, usually the second or third Sunday of the month, you know, where I booked that alternate WrestleMania 16 where she fucking main evented against Hunter and beat him for the gold. Uh, Yeah, I made that happen. That's legit. Don't fuck with that rebooking what-if scenario. Uh, China broke down barriers, and then, you know... Things happened, and uh, she gets marginalized by WWF history or WWE history. It's, it's fucking stupid. I don't know why that's the case. Uh, I'm big on China being in here. Big ups to China! Hey, Joey Numbers! Going forward... Oh, John Favreau makes this fucking montage, okay? As Happy Hogan, but also in sort of a meta way, as the director that cast Robert Downey Jr., the director that sort of planned out the initial couple of you know, connections in the MCU, and now is doing it with Star Wars. I mean, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes moving and shaking with this limited performance. And because of that, you know, it feels like we need to, again, represent someone from the backstage area. Someone who's a planner and a schemer and, a, and someone that really sets things up and gets the ball rolling. Well, it's got to be me, moi, Eric Bischoff. Wow, that was really Kevin Nashy, but hey, it's me, moi, Eric Bischoff. I mean, look, regardless, the dude has a place in a scenario like this. The innovator of Nitro. The creator of the NWO from that thing he got in Japan. I don't know. I don't know who created NWO. But my point is, is that Bischoff casts a shadow over the industry, at least... You know, for the next 20 or some odd years before uh, something big happens. And, he, and you know, that whole... Because right now, the Attitude Era is still way too important to history. Like, there needs to be something that over... Something that happens, like, in the now era that matters for, like, a long time. That way, the Attitude Era... Attitude Era still feels like the last, like, time it was big and relevant. And that might be the case. But it's Eric Bischoff. What are you going to do about it? Um, Haley Atwell as... Uh, Peggy Carter, you know, what I like about the Peggy Carter character is that she starts off, I mean, she's always, you know, military brass and what have you, but initially the character is sort of coded as a love interest for Captain America, Steve Rogers, you know, the big will they, won't they, etc, etc. But then, flip side, in some of the alternate realities, she becomes Captain Carter, which is cool. So I want to represent a woman that has a diverse skill set and has sometimes been love, but also has been combat. Ooh, there's a fun movie. Sequel to Love and Basketball, Love and Combat. Um, it's about MMA fighters that fall in love. Oh, 
I just made a million dollars. But it's Trish Stratus. She started as one, became another. Uh, oh, it's time to rock and roll. You know, Trish Stratus. Innovator. Uh, kind of sticking around a little too long here in the modern era, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Natalie Portman follows as Dr. Jane Foster, who would eventually become the Mighty Thor. And, you know, every great hero must have a villain, Dimitri. And in order to have Bellerophon, a hero, we had to create Chimera, the villain. This is a a Mission Impossible 2 joke. If it's not working for you, I wouldn't be surprised, Dimitri. But I'm keeping it in because I like John Woo's Mission Impossible 2. But for Trish to be a hero, she had to have a villain. And it's Mickey James taking a spot here as the Mighty Thor Jane Foster in the curtain call scenario. And I do think, you know, and this isn't a part of our exercise, but when they show her a little, like, her, her history in motion or her action shot, it should definitely be her doing the lick thing. Because that's an all-time moment. Marissa Tomei as the sexy Aunt May. I only said it that way because it rhymed. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, everybody makes a fit out of that. Everyone's like, oh, your Aunt May's hot, etc., etc., etc. It's Sunny. Sunny contributed a lot to this business. And it took a lot from her. But she was definitely a breakthrough um, performer. Unfortunately, it was breaking through in a direction that we didn't really need. Um, but if that didn't happen, maybe we don't get to where we are now. So I just, you know, plus she's sunny. She, she was super talented as a manager when they were still using her in the style of the old managers like Bobby, the brain and, and Jimmy Hart and what have you in that vein. She was great. Uh, she always found unique ways to interact with the people she was managing, the people she was, uh, not managing, you know, like. Look, I know the Godwins, the Guns, the Body Donnas are not setting the ring on fire, okay? But at the same time, Sunny is out there. She is providing enter- various levels of entertainment regardless of the situation. So, and, and, you know, with great entertainment comes great responsibility. So I like the brand synergy with Aunt May. Taika Waititi as Korg. Hey, man, I'm Korg. We're going to get on that ship. You want to come? Korg's funny. In Thor Ragnarok, Thor's annoyed at Thor Love and Thunder, but it's a humor. You know, there's all sort of, there's all various different corners to the wars of sports-based entertainment. In-ring work, uh, mic work, uh, business acumen, etc. But Korg is just a gag. So I want to represent this spot with perhaps the funniest performer in WWE history, Santino Marella. It was a battle between him and R-Truth. Maybe they share it. I don't know. But I think comedy is so important to this genre, you know, professional wrestling. And and these guys do it quite well. Um, they And what's great is that there was, especially with R-Truth, there's such longevity there. Um, it's just nice to think of these guys getting paid to do these things, you know, for a while. I know Santino's not really part of uh, WWE right now, but, you know, I'm probably going to stick with Santino. There's just more bang for your buck there. It's more consistent, over-the-top stuff. Um and much better performed, too. You know, like, you think about those DX sketches in, like, 97 and stuff like that. Like, they're funny. At least they were when I was, you know, fucking sophomore in high school. But uh, Santino's is a little more... I don't want to call it nuanced because it's way more in your face. But at the same time, it's actually, like, gags. It's not just saying, like, locker room shit. I don't know if that makes sense or not. But I feel like Santino is a sort of a, a once-in-a-generational talent. 
when it comes to stuff like that. Or at least he was given a once-in-a-generation opportunity to just be that, and he excelled at it tremendously. And it just happened to be a recurring thing because it worked out so well. I don't know what the plan was, but whatever the plan is, he's a part of this, you know, credit scenario. Uh, up next, we've got another switcheroonie because we've got Angela Bassett as Queen Ramunda. But we do have Bobby Lashley, who's a big part of wrestling. Um, a two-sport athlete. Uh, really fun to watch beat the shit out of people. But, you know, the involved... And, and I'm not... How do I put this? Bobby Lashley was what half of a very big, important match that got a lot of fucking attention and has a very large place in popular culture at WrestleMania 23. And that can never be denied. And he forever gets to live with that. Lucky him. Uh, I think that alone uh, gets him on here. Just because that is a... I still can't believe it fucking is a thing. But Bobby Lashley's on here. And you know what? Can we just do one thing? Can we call Bobby Lashley Walking Armageddon one time in the WWE? I think that's a great nickname. I heard him call it that in TNA one time. And I was like, whoa. That is really good. At least I like it. Who knows? Uh, Up next, the first Ant-Man. Michael Douglas is Hank Pym. And, you know, Hank Pym is more of a behind-the-scenes type guy. He's more of a person who guides Ant-Man and the Wasp through their charges. And, uh, you know, who better to guide you along the way here when you're watching this goddamn professional entertainment match? Is that what I'm supposed to say? Not professional wrestling. Uh, Then a boomer sooner from Oklahoma, uh, who's here to bring you to WCW Top 10. Uh, Number 10 to Z-Man. Number 9, Flying Brian. Number 8, goddamn Candyman, Brad Armstrong. Number seven, El Gigante. Number six, a junkyard dog. Number five, Rick Steiner. Number four, Scott Steiner. Number three, Art Anderson. Number two, Sid Vicious. United States Heavyweight Champion is Stan Hansen. And of course, the World Heavyweight Champion is Jason Boy Ric Flair. It's Jim Ross. How did Dr. Death not make the WCW Top Ten in that scenario? Jim Ross deserves a spot. His partner in crime is Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp. It'd be a, very, a great place to put the king, but I'm not. Uh, I want a woman... Who, you know, what I what I like here is that Janet spends so much time in the quantum realm, completely out of view and out of scope. And and when I think about wrestling, someone a woman who's behind the scenes, but also sort of very far removed, but then when they show up makes a big impact. Linda McMahon. Responsible for a lot of the uh, you know, keeping shit together. When Vince is out uh having his dangerous liaisons, his uh his rendezvous, la maison derrière. Uh, but also when he's about to go to jail. And I respect Linda for that. I do. She's part of a legacy. Um, I don't know what that legacy is. But at the same time, she deserves a shout-out here. Uh, maybe we can show her stand. And you know what? She ha- That WrestleMania 17 pop is an all-timer. When she stands up and gets the look. And Vince is like, I'm swallowing. I'm swallowing. William Hurt, uh, soon to be replaced as Harrison Ford, is General Thunderbolt Ross. You know, the guy that hates the Hulk and makes people sign the Sokovia Accords. Well, time to excess, or excess, time to celebrate some talent that's again behind the scenes, but also in our face. Gorilla's here, Bobby's here, period. Even if he was just a manager, Bobby is here. Bobby is a lost art form. That's Bobby the Brain Heenan. The I don't know, I feel like the the managers of the past are a completely lost art form that I miss tremendously. We need more people like that. You know, his 92 rumble is enough. There's so many nice things about Bobby the Brain Heenan that make it 
enough. You're here, Bobby. Now, the last one here, before things start getting special, is Kobe Smolders as S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Maria Hill. Poor S.H.I.E.L.D. Agent Maria Hill. You know, spoilers for that awful secret invasion show that just concluded on Disney+. Plus. Oh, my God, this show is so bad. Like, I am just... At this point, I'm... I won't stop watching MCU stuff because I'm, I'm pathetic. But I'm kind of like ready to start pointing at it and just laughing because it's it's so fun to watch it fall apart. But it still kind of hurts. Anywho, uh, Kobe Smolder's Maria Hills never really like... And it's not Kobe Smolder's fault. Um, it's just... Here's, here's what I look at. Oh, she's dead, by the way. It's Secret Evasion. So, you know, she got... She's in a lot of these movies... She never really does anything important. It's kind of like a Lifetime Achievement Award, her being here. Which makes me think of Natty Neidhart, God bless her soul, because, you know, she's a big part of consistent women's wrestling on North American television, and and I mean that. You know, I think she broke the Guinness World Record for most wrestling matches by a female performer. Like, she's, she's crossing all these thresholds, and it's really cool. Like, do not get me wrong. And plus, she's the daughter of a reino... But let's get her in here. It's like a lifetime achievement award. You know, she is a groundbreaker. She's a barrier breaker, heartbreaker. Oh, what's that song? Heartbreaker, heartbreaker. And that's just a Seinfeld joke. But I like getting Natty in here. It's fun. It's nice. It's appreciated. So here's where we have a weird part in the credits. Well, not weird, but they list. this is where they list nine names, and they don't show the portrait. And it's people like Sean Gunn, who is Kraglin, but he's also the on-screen reference for Rocket. Uh, The mob boss that Hawkeye kills in Avengers Endgame. Uh, You know, Frank Grillo, Crossbones, and the dude who plays Jasper Sitwell. Ah, fuck, I don't remember his name. It doesn't matter. So, but here's the thing. I'm not going to say which character takes their space, but these are nine. and And I was like, these are where I can get in people that... You know, on, on a lot of people's lists, deserve spots, and rightfully so, maybe over some of these people that have to be on here for various reasons to take the character spot. But like I said, I like that my list takes me in paths of divergence where we look at all scopes. So here are nine names that, it, that deserve to be listed if not getting their picture shown. In no particular order, except the order I wrote them down. Brock Lesnar, I know. Brett the Hitman Hart. I know, I can't believe I put him on here either. But he carried the new gen era. And Brock is just a fucking game-changing attraction when he first came back. Uh, Brian Danielson. Because I think he was able to bridge the gap between mainstream and artismal, artistic performance in the ring. Artismal, isn't that food? Bruno San Martino. Enough said. Bob Backlund, hey, you got to represent the slow-moving era. I picked Backlund and and Bruno. And that's okay. You know, there's accomplishments there. The Ultimate Warrior, he's a living cartoon. He represents that era so well. He's unfortunately a household name for bad reasons, but also entertainment-based reasons, so you, you get, you get, you give. Uh, Piper, I think that, that makes sense. Um, I put Jericho on here. Because he's the first undisputed champion, but also I feel like he was a great example of a person who gained success in WCW at a certain level and then changed 
uh, organizations and really bro- eventually broke through all that shit and then basically could write his own, you know, path uh, once, you know, the end of the career start. You know, his multiple go aways and comes back. You know, he he's doing it because he wants to, not because he, like, has to. And Dusty Rhodes for just being a fucking blast on commentary and I guess uh, pretty cool with the Florida Territories back in the day. But, you know... And if you look at it, nine guys, well, except for Bruno and Bob Backlund, because they controlled, like, decades and eras. Um, but they were different types of decades and eras, you know, where we were just worried about stadium shows or arena shows and what have you. You know, but the rest of these people made a mark. But it was just never the biggest mark, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. Now things start to get a little more fun. Well, I mean, I think it's been fun the whole time, but the credits get a little wackier. Um, this is our first featuring credit. So we've got an actor who's a big-time name, but maybe their contribution to the actual product that we're watching wasn't, you know, the biggest of commitments, but they're still here, and we want to give them a special shout-out. Featuring Vin Diesel as Groot. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do the next one at the same time because these two work in tandem. We get Bradley Cooper as Rocket. So, Rocket and Groot, forever, you know, linked together. And and again, I said at the beginning in the output, this isn't about, like, matching, finding someone who's like Groot, finding someone who's like Rocket. But I'd be lying if the fact that these two are next to each other and they both got a special credit didn't put some ideas into my head. And... It really did. And I was trying to think about two people who legitimately should maybe be linked together, but also legitimately actually fucking contributed something big to the industry. And I think I found it. Now, these Avengers credits say Vin Diesel as Groot, Bradley Cooper as Rocket. I'm going to change the words just a little bit. Featuring Kevin Nash and Diesel, featuring Scott Hall and Razor Ramon. The Outsiders together, just like Rocket and Groot. But more importantly, I think it's interesting that not only did these two guys end up together, as we all knew they would. It's the best best, uh, will-they-won't-they in wrestling history. But at the same time, they're here as two different characters as well, and I think that's important. As Diesel and Razor, they kept things going the best they could during that new generation era. But then, when they became the outsiders, I mean, do we really even have to get into it? Do we have to get into how impactful those early appearances were? Or when the NWO was just three, Hall, Nash, and Hogan, and felt like the most interesting, coolest thing in the history of ever? And, for better or worse... That's a something you know. That's a permanent thing. Like it, the NWO is a massive, massive thing. I mean, it still gets recalled back today. The LWO is a thing. I don't know. It's just you cannot deny that these guys belong here. And you know, it's just the featuring credit because while they changed a period of the business, it's not like these guys were always positive either. So thanks for coming. Thanks for doing your thing. Uh, we'll take it from here. With Gwyneth Paltrow, of course, playing Rescue Pepper Potts. Well, 
Pepper Potts eventually became the CEO of Stark Industries. And ladies and gentlemen, I guess you could say, she's all grown up. It's Stephanie McMahon. Look, we need to get Stephanie in here. There is no doubt about that. There's too much brand synergy here to not do it. I really like to focus on the things that Stephanie's done as an executive. Forget about that whole... And and she's a great on-screen character. And I know she gets a lot of flack for when she was in charge of creative. I'm not sure why. Somebody has to do that job. It's a thankless job. I, I believe that. But what she has done as an executive, or when she was an executive, you know, really doing what she could to justify the company's existence as a non-carny entity and sort of succeeding in that way. You know, starting charities, getting out there and, and pushing initiatives. And I know that people scoff at shit like that and hate shit like that, but that shit has to be done. I believe that. It's an American company, for God's sakes. I mean, if you're an American listening to this, you should already know that that is par for the fucking course. And I feel like she did everything she could to take this company and make it legitimate as much as she could and earn this spot. Speaking of earning a spot, the next credit is with Robert Redford, of course, playing Secretary Alexander Pierce, one of the leaders of Hydra. Oh, this is going to piss people off. Robert Redford is like a legendary actor, director, Hollywood person, okay? Undeniable. Undeniable. And his spot is going to a wrestler that's absolutely legendary. Undeniable. I guess you could say you could try to deny this man's greatness, and I would have 16 reasons why he uh, he is great. But at the same time, it's like... um. Let's say Quentin Tarantino, the director, made movies, made all the movies he did. And let's say that they never garnered the attention of the Academy Awards, and maybe they were always middling at the box office, but somehow, someway, he was still able to make the exact same movies. Let's just pretend we live in that world. That doesn't take away from the fact that the art is tremendous. They just weren't necessarily the biggest box office draw or the most important thing. And I know that this man, the 16-time world champion, has taken on like a a whole different meme-type existence here in 2023 and, you know, earlier. And they sort of made a spectacle of themselves as well, unfortunately. Um, But I do, back to my Quentin Tarantino thing, I think that, you know, that's great art and it may not be like the, the reason that people go to the movies, but it's one of the re- but it's the reason that people make movies, if that makes sense. And I, all I'm trying to say is that the Nature Boy Ric Flair is is with this credit. It's with Nature Boy Ric Flair because there's undeniable massive contributions. But I I feel like when casual people think of Flair, it's a joke. And I guess you could say the same about others. But I don't know. There's there's a lot of artistic merit there a lot of artistic ways that push the business was pushed forward that's undeniable and i want to call special attention to rick but he can't get one of those original avenger spots those are reserved for individuals that just 
or more. And I feel somber. I'm not trying to make this somber about it, but I feel bad. But it is what it is. With Josh Brolin as Thanos. It's simple. With Paul Levesque as Triple H. I mean, who else has a reign of terror shades of Thanos? You could call the initial brand split reign of Triple H the equivalent of the blip snap. I mean, it really sort of is. He puts everybody down, including Goldberg, for God's sakes. And and I think people enjoy Josh Brolin as Thanos, and people have come to appreciate Triple H, especially, again, just like Stephanie in his role as, you know, a director and an executive and what have you. Um, and that's honestly what gets him in this history of wrestling. Like, other than that, as a performer, he's he's not even like a flair level as a performer. I mean, he just got good shit, but in my eyes, he's he's less important to the business from a money perspective than Flair even. But his sort of second life makes him a big part of this as he's the man who's in charge, especially as we're doing this switch to Endeavor as well. I think it makes sense that he's here. With Chris Pratt, of course, playing Star-Lord. And this is reserved for a person who... Well, I'll tell you up front. It's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns gets this spot because Roman Reigns, his book isn't closed yet. But as it stands, this man deserves a spotlight of attention in a situation like this. Uh, What he's done and accomplished in this modern era is unprecedented. Not only by making a a long-term storyline work in an era where we thought long-term storylines were not possible... And that era started, you know, in the mid-90s even. I'm not saying that it's like a new thing. Like in the 2020s, we were like, oh, we don't know if long-term stories are going to work. I mean, no. The attention span of the wrestling fan, and that rhymed, you know, was forever destroyed by the Attitude Era. And not only has he made a long-term storyline work, he's maintained a business threshold during that time and fan interest, and it continues to twist and turn and keep people interested, and it's elevated others. Jay, Kevin, Owens, that is, Sammy Uso, or Sammy Uso, Sammy Zayn. See, I called him Sammy Uso, for Christ's sakes. So, Roman Reigns, the tribal chief, hell of an accomplishment here. Um, but he doesn't make the Avengers roster, you know, the big six, because we're not done yet. We're not done yet. I don't know what the long-term impact is going to be. And ladies and gentlemen, we have now reached the end game. One more name to go before we get to our Avengers that assemble. And Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. The man whose appearance alone in the event in the Iron Man end stinger scene made us all believe that this could be a serious thing that they're doing here. It looks like they're actually going to move forward with trying to do something. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay a Samuel L. Jackson to show up for the hour of shooting that he probably did. Nick Fury is the man behind the scenes that brings it all together. And look, regardless, if you don't include this man, you're an idiot. Bottom line. And Vincent Kennedy McMahon as Mr. McMahon. Because you got to acknowledge the business person and the character. I mean, he's too important. 
from both sides of the spectrum. Just as important, I would argue, I mean, look, you could say if it doesn't happen, if he's not there, it doesn't happen, sure. Um, but, you know, we wanted to, of course, focus on in-ring talent for this type of thing. And, you know, because they're the ones in front of the camera, but Vince in front of the camera as well. Just an absolutely legendary character, a unique businessman. Well, Johnny, uh, excuse me, I apologize for just barging into your office here while you're recording an entertainment-based vehicle, but I, I feel like I heard you say my name. Uh... Yeah, Concrete Man, we're putting you in this little end credits curtain call scenario. Curtain call? Uh, Madison Square Garden, 1996. Uh, you know, the curtain call is a unique configuration of uh, four individuals of a contractual nature at the time to myself. And, you know, the four individuals uh, mounted a corner post, uh, perhaps to a, you know, perhaps attempt a four post massacre on a Jimmy King, a professional wrestler of uh, uh, fictional nature. Uh, but no, these gentlemen uh, climbed the curtain, uh, well, you know, climbed the post, the Madison Square Garden curtain call, and, uh, you know, signaled to the click. The click! Can you believe that Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Diesel, and Razor Ramon have joined John Michaels? Click! But no, it wasn't to be, Johnny C. They were not joining the click of a fan-based nature. They were breaking kafabe. See, a lot of people will think it's called kafabe or kafabe. It's actually kafabe. You've been mispronouncing it all these years, and uh, I think it's warranted that you correct yourself. Kafabe, all right. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have a, a business meeting to, to see to future endeavors. Will you be okay without me? Well, honestly, that's what we're all going to figure out. But yeah, I'm good without you. See you next time. All right, Johnny, remember... We make movies. Oh, I was thirsty. Need I say more? Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye, a founding Avenger. The least of the founding Avengers. Not so much from a power set. Okay, from a power. I like Hawkeye. I do. I'm not going to throw shade. But, uh,. I'm going to give this spot as a founding Avenger, basically the Mount Rushmore of this thing, to use a cliche, to the 16-time world heavyweight champion. There is no man in this business that I would rather boo. Sometimes I can't even find him, although he did recently show up in Barbie as a merman. It's a pretty good movie. I wanna push you here. Well, I will. Well, I will. It's John Cena. What do I have to say? What else can be said? If you think he doesn't belong here, you're an idiot. He got us through the dark times. Maybe he's the reason they were the dark times. But uh, nonetheless, he continues to be an attraction. And honestly, like, the modern equivalent to an 80s-based American-themed superstar that we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, you know, John Cena was the man. Is the man. He, his appearances still draw interest of fans. And like I said, I wanted, I, I hated him so much 
And then I gained his, he, he, I gained respect for him, and there's no man I'd rather boo. And I think he'd like me to boo him as well. And I'll enjoy that unique relationship. He knows that I'm booing because I'm a fan and I'm supposed to know, to boo. And I know I'm booing because I love, I like the dude so much. I almost said love. I like the dude's, uh, you know, work so much that if I don't boo him, it would be a disservice to what the character uh, audience relationship has been for its entire dynamic. Oh my God, I sound like Vince McMahon. Next. Scarlett Johansson as the Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. The woman, the first woman to break down the barrier and become the main event of WrestleMania. The man, Becky Lynch. And it's not even a red hair thing. It, it just has to do with the fact that Becky main evented WrestleMania. And the man character crossed all barriers and and just was history. I know that Becky's run post return post covid, you know, has had its ebbs and flows. That man character is lightning in a bottle. And it changed women's wrestling forever. Maybe it's fitting she's Natasha Romanoff. We lost Natasha Romanoff. She made the sacrifice. Maybe Becky'll never get to those heights again from a box office standpoint or from a whatever standpoint. I don't know. But the sacrifice was worth it because it got us to where we are. And she's on any Mount Rushmore. And she's an Avenger. Up next, Edward Norton as Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Oh, hold on, I'm being handed a note. Really? All right, fans, I apologize. Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, the Incredible Hulk. Jokes aside. You know, but well, Ruffalo's a lot better than Norton. I, Norton was fine, but Ruffalo just really owns it now. And, and, you know, it's made all the difference in the world. But here we have someone that needs to stand out above the rest of the pack, but in a different way, as the Hulk does, but also has contributed a lot to wrestling's history. You know, the Hulk is not the person that is the solo reason that we're here. But he's a spice we have to have, or else things are going to feel a little bit off. And I'm not so much feeling green as I'm feeling a little bit darker. Like we need a man from the dark side, the Undertaker! I'm not a huge Undertaker guy, but you can't deny that he became the Andre of the we're on TV all the time generation. And, uh... I don't like the idea of putting here him here because he'd see it and he'd be like, well, I just, they put me there because I'm a ring general, you know, I'm a justice of the Supreme Wrestler's Court. Especially with that Maven. You know, I tried to teach him the ropes, but he just wouldn't listen. But The Undertaker can't be denied as a force, a phenom, uh, I said it, in the world of sports entertainment. And he's got to be here. You know, he's instantly recognizable, as is the Hulk. And again, it's not so much an apples-to-apples comparison, Avengers to wrestler, but in terms of their historic relevancy, I think it's a pretty good spot. Chris Hemsworth as the mightiest of Thors. You know, I would have never guessed that Chris Hemsworth would be the Avenger to get four movies. I would have definitely not expected that. And, you know, Thor... Instantly recognizable, household name. Some of his movies have been up. Most have been down. But 
again, you want him here. He's got charisma, as Polly Shore would say. And, you know, God, I mean, we only have three people left. It's the holy trinity of Marvel Comics, Thor, someone, and someone. You know who they are, but I'm just not going to say them out loud because I think for some reason there's someone out there who doesn't know who I'm talking about. The same way that Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman are the holy trinity of DC. So... We're at kind of the holy trinity of pro wrestling here, people. So once I tell you who is Thor, you're going to know who the other two are without even having to guess. But who gets what spot? So I'll let the cat out of the bag. A man who's vital to pro wrestling. Maybe more so than any other in a lot of ways. And goes to show you that entertainment can come from the least expected of places. But also, once you've run your course... You've run your course and I'm done with you, Thor. Also, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. He had his time, and he got out when the getting was still good. Which is why I feel like he could still come back to wrestling and, and get the pop. And, you know, I mean, hey, I'd, pop, I'd cheer if I was at a random show and he was there. I'd be like, oh my god, they brought back The Rock. Um, He's a legend and icon, the only man to escape the business, uh better for themselves, I suppose. Um, and, you know, it's just you can't do something like this without including him. Uh, of course, his movies have become shit. They're, they're, maybe they always were, to be honest with you, and I was just happy that he was making it. Like, I like the rundown. I'm hard-pressed to think of another just rock movie that I like where it's just the rock by himself. Like, Fast Five is fun. It's not a great movie. Uh, Southland Tales, maybe? I don't know. I just, but The Rock's got to be here. He's got to be on the list. He's Thor. He's Rock. They both have, you know, four letters. Brad's energy, pal. So we've come to the final two. And you know who they are, but again, who gets what place? Chris Evans as Captain America, the leader of the Avengers team. So one could argue the leader is the most important member of the team. And that's sure. That could be the case in a lot of ways. But pro wrestling, looking at it in the way that we are for this experiment, has a genesis point. And while this man is an icon, a step above the rest, a box office attraction, a man who made professional wrestling cool when it desperately needed to be cool again stone cold Steve Austin the attitude era is loved it's looked at as the the folk the the apex point of professional wrestling and I don't know if that's fair because things aren't comparative really in this modern day and age I mean TV ratings isn't really a fair point nobody watches TV anymore they don't I mean, honestly, I'm, you know, I stream the shit out of everything. I don't even consistently stream wrestling because, I mean, I do premium live events, but not weekly shows. You know, I'm not going to include myself here. It's irrelevant. But man, Stone Cold, you know, it's always who's number one and who's number two. And and you could argue that Stone Cold's 1B or 1A. I get it. And I don't blame either one. But he's not the genesis point of this timeline that we're on. And I'm not going to shortchange him, but what else What else can I say about these people? Like The Undertaker and The Rock and Stone Cold that hasn't already been said that you don't already know, okay? 
Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Iron Man, the genesis point of the MCU. I'm going to flip over to DC for a little bit, and spoilers for The Flash if you haven't seen it. Um, I mean, I'll try to keep it as much out of context as I can. At one point in The Flash film from DC Comics, we get a glimpse into the DC multiverse. And there's a specific character in DC Comics that's sort of drawn to this multiversal nexus to view events that could cripple or change the multiverse forever. And that is Superman. Many iterations of Superman. George Reeves, Christopher Reeve, Nicolas Cage. But all Superman. Please don't say Christopher Reeves when talking about Christopher Reeve. Please, can we just put a moratorium on that, America? Okay? I can't tell you how many tweets or X's I saw where people were like, man, Christopher Reeves looks stupid in The Flash. And I'm like, ugh. 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 But the reason Superman sees these events is because Superman is the genesis of everything in superhero comics. Everything comes from Superman. If you want to destroy the multiverse, you destroy Superman. Superman's the one that's responsible for, you know, protecting us in crisis-type events. Everything comes from Superman. Famous comic book line. Everything comes from Hulk Hogan. Wrestling on television the way that it is. I know, I'm not talking about, like, opening with a 15-minute interview, the camera shots. You know, the presentation has changed, okay? It has. But fucking wrestling toys, wrestling phone belts, wrestling shirts, wrestling as a brand, wrestling as something on a lunchbox, wrestling, the fucking initials WWF. I mean, people still er erroneously say WWF instead of WWE. You know what I mean? Now, that will change someday, but there's a reason that that's the case. The fucker was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I'm not saying that means everything, but it certainly means a little bit of something, especially when you're not in a quote-unquote legitimate sport. Everything in the MCU comes from Iron Man and casting Robert Downey Jr. And that's not what this is about, but I think we can all agree. And in the world of comic books, everything comes from Superman. You go back and destroy Superman, you probably destroy comics as we know it. You destroy, you know, you, you, uh, I don't even know. Maybe if you change Robert Downey Jr., we don't get what we get. I don't know. Uh, but I am saying if you take Hulk Hogan out of the equation, maybe we still get there, we get there differently, maybe it's not as big, maybe it's bigger, I don't know, I doubt it's bigger. I think Hulk Hogan is the genesis of everything, he gets the last credit, he gets the last shot, and you know it's making him happy. But are you happy? Do you agree with this, uh, you know, trot down memory lane? Has it worked for you? Has it made sense? I hope so. I hope you got what we were talking about the entire time. And I'm going to do my wrap-up shit now. Make sure you subscribe to the new TNN so you get notified when new podcast content drops. That's it. That's the whole wrap-up thing. Uh, the next episode, as I mentioned at the beginning, is going to be... Don't fast-forward yet. There's one more thing to come. The next episode is going to be ep the episode 200 Spectacular. You know every 50 when we celebrate a new milestone, we do a movie. We did Transformers the movie. We did Rollerball. We did The Passion of the Christ. Yikes. Uh, we're going to do another movie. 
I have an idea for what it is. I reserve the right to change my mind, but the 200th spectac- episode spectacular is going to be Junkman tackling. I promise whatever I decide on will be one of the worst movies of all time. We're going to have some fun with it. Okay. Now, as I promised, if I, as I did with the WCW Must Die intro, I've got together, I've cobbled together a non-visual version of what we just talked about, a montage of what we just discussed. Sure, it's not great because it's not visual, but it's the best that I can do. And I hope you enjoy it. Hope you've enjoyed this show and this concept. Let's give it a listen. Junkyard Dog. Macho Man. Randy Savage. Sting! Ron Simmons. Charlotte Flair. The Heartbreak Kid. Shawn Michaels. Ronda Rousey. Sasha Banks. Miss Elizabeth. Lita. Sable. Sensational Queen Sherry. The Usos. Jay and Jimmy. Eddie Guerrero. Booker T. Mrs. Foley's baby boy. Rhea Ripley. Andre the Giant. Bianca Belair. Gorilla Monsoon, it's a happening. China. Eric Bischoff. Trish Stratus. Mickey James. Honey! Santino! Bobby Lashley! Nice good old deal. Linda McMahon. Bobby the Brain Heenan! Natty! Brock Lesnar! Bret Hart! Daniel Bryan! Bruno San Martino! Bob Backer! The Roddy Piper! Chris Jericho! Dusty Rhodes! Featuring Kevin Nash and Diesel. Featuring Scott Hall and Razor Ramon. With Stephanie McMahon. With Ric Flair. Paul Levesque as Triple H. With Roman Reigns. And Vincent Kennedy McMahon as Mr. The man I love to boo. 16-time world champion, John Cena. The Mon. Becky Lynch. Man from the dark side, The Undertaker. The most electrifying man in all sports-based entertainment. Uh, the, 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 the one. Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! The Austin era has begun! Don't go see Austin. Well, let me tell you something, dude. There's only one man on the top of the mountain. The one, the only, the immortal, Hawk, Hollywood, Hogan. Yeah, dude, I combine all my names. Jesus, Hulkster. I'm Johnny C, and a winner is you.